0: Welcome to the Gaming in the Wild podcast. A video games podcast about games from the artistic, creative and sometimes independent side of the spectrum. You might have noticed already that um, compared to episode 0 which was about Kentucky Route Zero and episode 1 which was about Horizon Zero Dawn, the music on this introduction is a lot more foreboding, a little darker than usual, and that's because the game that's the subject of today's podcast is uh, also dark, because today we're talking about Remedies, 2019 game of the year, Control. This is a game that I've been excited to play for a while. Um, I bought a PS4 partially because of this game, actually. It's, uh, it's not available on Switch, where I normally play my games, or on uh, Steam for Mac. So I was so intrigued by this game, the premise, the look, the setting, the feel, um, that it inspired me to go out and get the, the PS4. I ended up playing some other games first, But this is the one that I really um, got the the console to play. So it was with a lot of anticipation that I finally started digging into it last week. The game begins when you, uh, Jesse Faden, walk into a nondescript-seeming government office building called the Federal Bureau of Control. It looks like any um, U.S government building might look. there's a crest on the floor, the um, reception desk, wooden paneling, gray tiles. but it's pretty clear from the from the off that something is, uh, something is weird, something is wrong. Something's very strange about this building. There's no one at the reception desk. There's no security guard. There's an abandoned metal detector. You can just walk through. So right from the off, we have a sense of something eerie, and that something un- uneasy in the air. And that's a feeling that persists and permeates this game from the very outset. I generally try and make this a spoiler-free podcast um, because when I listen to podcasts, it's often when I just start a game and I want to hear some people talking about it, or if I'm thinking about buying a game. But it's hard to talk about control in a completely spoiler-free way. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the events that take place in the first couple of chapters of the game, and that's things that will happen in the first couple of hours that you play. Um, So if you want to go into the game completely blind and experience the story from the ground up, Maybe in this particular podcast, you might want to come back later. There are no huge spoilers here, but if you really want that element of total going in blind, um, then I am going to talk about the, uh, the opening sequence of the game and a couple of the things that take place because they really affect the gameplay and they really form what the game is about. So that said, the first person that we meet in this building is called Artie. He's kind of a creepy old janitor. With a, a blue bodysuit and a mop, and he talks to you in this kind of stilted, odd way. He seems to think that you're there for in a job at assisting him, and he directs you to the director's office. But Artie is um, the janitor of a, a very strange building, and it seems it seems pretty clear from the outset that there's more to him than meets the eye. When we get to the director's office, having made our way there through a couple of banal corridors lined with framed pictures, ring binders, filing cabinets, office furniture that's got a very grey, kind of um, grainy, dull tone to the whole thing, that really is really striking in a way, because so many games aim to be vivid and eye-catching, this one really damps everything down, it feels like um, the light is very diffused, you can almost... Smell the stale air in the building. But as we get to the director's office, the game takes a turn for the weird. We hear a gunshot, we walk in, and the director is dead. We pick up the weapon that he has used to kill himself. It's a very strange gun. And before we know it, in the first few minutes of the game, Jesse has been anointed by the disembodied voices of the board as the new director of the Federal Bureau of Control. So she's risen through the ranks from being mistaken for a a janitor's assistant to somehow becoming the new head of the Bureau of Control. That's when the game really begins. We have our service weapon, we have this strange building, we have this strange premise, this strange bureau. And uh, what what is going on is left um, very much hanging in the air throughout the opening sections of the game. We discover bits and pieces. As you walk around you'll find on desks bits of information that you can pick up and read. You'll find tape recorders with um, statements given by employees and people that the bureau is investigating, and that sort of thing. And we all find a lot of contextual material lying around. So there's a lot. There's a lot of audio to listen to. There's a lot of uh, text to read. It's usually just like an A4 page. It's got some redacted bits on it, and they're they're all very uh, strange things that the bureau is looking into. It quickly becomes apparent that this is a not going to be the easiest job in the world. To, um, the Bureau is housed in a building called The Oldest House the, and it's a huge character in the game, You know, much in the same way as the landscape in Breath of the Wild or Horizon Zero Dawn. The Oldest House is a key part of the game, a character in the game. Uh, the walls of this building are able to shift like a kind of, you know those kind of needle things that you push your hand into and you make a print. The whole building seems to be like that on the inside, it can reconfigure itself and it does so at will. Another thing that's very odd about the building is as we progress inside it becomes apparent that something is really wrong with a lot of the employees. We see some um, sort of office garb clad bodies hanging in the air um, above their workstations emitting a kind of strange chant that's really really alarming and, and kind of gets into, gets under your skin a little bit like there's something wrong with the building something wrong with the people there, we seem to have walked in just after it's all kicked off. So that's what the gameplay is really all about. We're Jesse, we've been anointed director, we're in a troubled building. We're trying to find the answers to some personal mysteries in Jesse's history, but we're also trying to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on in the building. We we walk around, we explore offices, we... um, slight spoiler... We encounter some survivors that are in the building. They are based in the boardroom in the executive branch and we start working with them. They instantly recognise us as the new director um, to figure out what's going on. The infection that has taken over the building and the staff. um, Jesse christens the hiss uh, partially because of the, the noise that it makes. It seems to have kind of toxified certain sections of the building. They hurt you if you walk in them. It's represented by red light as opposed to the um, the white strip lights that the rest of the building has. When you see red you know that you're approaching a hiss-infested area. The hiss has also overtaken the security forces of the, the building and a lot of employees and it's turned them into the enemies that you're going to be fighting throughout this game. You'll be fighting them with the service weapon. It's a, a kind of a reconfigurable um, gun that can be a single shot pistol or as you upgrade it it can become like a, a spread effect shotgun or it can become a semi-automatic and I those are the three that I've unlocked in my my, my playthrough but I can tell that the uh, the gun's gonna get a lot more interesting as it goes on um, you also have some abilities Jesse is what the, the bureau calls a para utilitarian she can use telekinesis to lift objects, to throw them, and as you progress, she'll learn more abilities. She can um, lift up chunks of floor to use as a shield. she can eventually uh, move around through the air. And these early battles that you get into are really unforgiving, actually. There is no um, difficulty setting in control. it just it is what it is. It's pretty punishing straight off the bat, like I died a lot in this um, opening segments. Every time you walk into a new room, there seems to be a new type of enemy. They power up pretty quickly. You go from a kind of a dopey security guard guy to what seems to be kind of an armed militia. Um, they all appear kind of weird and hazy, like there's like oil hanging in the air around them. This kind of iridescent light that surrounds them because they've been overtaken by the hiss. And you have to figure out ways to move through um, complex office rooms whilst taking cover avoiding bullets, uh, finding a line of sight on the enemy to throw things at them. When your uh, telekinesis power runs down, you unload the pistol. By that time, your telekinesis is back, so you have to kind of cycle through your range of attacks, keep moving, stay very aware of your surroundings, and um, and try not to get riddled with bullets, basically. Um, you don't get any health packs that you can use on demand, but after a battle is done, or sometimes during if you're desperate, you can run over to defeated enemies and um, you'll absorb these little points of light on the floor that will regenerate your health but ideally you're going to have to avoid damage um, as much as possible because Jessie can only get hair a couple of times before she's done and that leads me on to basically talking about the difficulty of control it's hard, it's unforgiving every room seems to take you on in a different way um, I died on my first attempt in almost every room uh, because the, the variety and volume of enemies uh, grows quickly And if you look online, there's plenty of people talking about on Reddit and uh, different forums and stuff about how initially difficult control is. Um, Some advice that I got on Reddit was to pause the main story and to pursue some side missions. Um, Artie the Janitor starts giving you little uh, basic quests to do, like um, garbage disposal and um, just general building stuff, he seems to think you're his assistant. as he helped you get into the building, you're indebted to him somehow. And those quests are an easy way to start picking up ability points. They power up your launch ability to throw desks, throw boxes, pull bits out of walls and one-shot some of your opponents. Um, You can boost your maximum health, you can boost the the time it takes for your gun um, and your abilities to recharge. And the game really doesn't um, hold your hand through any of this. If you try and follow the main narrative, it's going to kick your ass, basically. Um, So it's really important to take your time a little bit, take a a little moment away from the main story, as compelling as it may be, and to go and just run around, uh, take out some enemies, maybe retread areas you've already beaten, and boost yourself up because the difficulty curve is nuts. And that's not to say that I don't like a challenge, you know, But um, Control is a frustrating game, I really enjoyed one section where you have to kind of run through a training course, just shoot down a few targets to open doors, you have to do it in in, I think, one minute to get to the end, it takes a few tries, you know, you have to learn the terrain to get through it quickly, and Jessie herself expresses frustration, on your first go she's like, come on, on your second go she's like, oh fuck you automated tape voice, and on the third section she's like, for god's sake! and it it was uh, really enjoyable to have the character in the game vicariously express the frustration that you're feeling as a player. I kind of wish that she did it more, but I guess it's hard when she's been mown down by three like machine gun-wielding goons for her to go, fuck's sake, as you, you roll your eyes and drop your controller. There's a lot more lore to the game. Um, There are pickups that you can collect that have strange pretentious names like Lost Memories or things like this, or uh, cryptic diagrams. And they're basically just collectibles. When you um, get enough of them, you can upgrade the gun. You can upgrade Jessie to have more mods to her abilities, that sort of thing. And it becomes apparent that um, Control has elements of a metroidvania game you get a security clearance that starts at zero then goes to one two three doors are marked so you know you kind of put them behind your ear that you'll come back later and see what's inside sometimes it's a bonus sometimes it's a new area Um, and it also has these kind of slight open world elements you can backtrack through the building see if you haven't missed anything every room you know has something to find and they vary from a folder full of material or a a video by the former head of research Dr. Darling who's kind of explaining in these kind of grim funny segments uh, the catastrophes and the difficult paranormal researches and unstable materials that the, the bureau is dealing with through to um, full-on sublevels in a, a white abstract space which is known as the astral plane you'll sometimes enter these spaces these are the little assault courses that you have to complete to get your new abilities. And all of that is where control really succeeds, like the the complexity and seeming sophistication of the environment, the the various levels of reality that you're encountering, the the mystery of the hiss, the mystery of what the bureau does, uh, where the department heads have vanished off to, um, how you can kind of uh, try and start cleansing the building a little bit. Um, All of this makes a really compelling story. Um, The atmosphere is somewhere between, like, inception levels of um, curious, confusing, unreality, X-Files, paranormal stuff, and a kind of a a Cold War era, kind of tense thriller vibe that reminds me of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, something like that, where no one's motives are clear where you have different department heads kind of politicking against each other as you'll find from their memos. And it's just a big, curious, uh, compelling, absorbing uh, mess of a scenario that you've gotten yourself into. And as you battle through these uh, tense, crazy um, rooms, you'll start uncovering more of the story, start uncovering more of who Jesse is. And, you know, I'm on the end of chapter 3 now, I think there's probably 10 or 12 chapters, so I'm I'm probably not even a quarter of the way through there Um, and I I feel absolutely positive that there is a lot of completely crazy shit that is still to come to light. So that's Control. Um, It's It's a good time to talk about this game, actually, because it's on PS Now. So if you happen to be on a PS4 and subscribe to PS Now, which is kind of the PlayStation Network's um, Netflix for games, I paid, I think, $50 for a year's subscription and downloaded a whole bunch of stuff. Tomb Raider and uh, Wolfenstein and Abzu, all of these different games that I just kind of wanted to dip into without uh, shelling out the whole price for. I kind of really like that service, and Control is on there. I think until August, so um, you should play it in the summer when the nights are light because it's spooky as hell. So I hope you've enjoyed listening and uh, picking up what what Control is all about. Um, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts if you've played it already, or if you're thinking about playing it. Um, you can tweet at me at Gaming in the Wild. Um, I have an Instagram for games, which is at Reviews Switch. Or I'll do like a tweet length reviews of Switch games. Um, It's a little underloved lately, seeing as I've been so PS4 heavy um, lately with my new console. Um, And thanks a lot for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll have another show for you next week. I know this one didn't come out exactly a week from the other. Some of these games are taking me a while to get through. So, I mean, I'm not sure it might turn into a uh, bi-monthly or every two weeks. But for now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks a lot for listening. And bye-bye.